Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. We have a replay of the weekend kickoff show. I want to kind of put this out there as a prep um, for your schedule during football season, for what you're going to, to be doing, watching throughout the week. And I wanted to put this show out there a little bit more often. It's going to be kind of similar to the OBR Mailbag, but... Uh, you know, in the in the framework of me and Andrew Spade hosting the show, uh, and I'm kind of analyzing it, and then, um, you know, that I think that there's a pretty good dynamic there. So I want to replay this one. It's kind of an accelerated week where we should have a Bears guest tomorrow for our Saturday morning and Saturday during the day prep for the seven o'clock kickoff. Reminder: playback will be live at seven o'clock. You can join that for the live game. All of that stuff will be in place. We're going to talk about a ton of topics on this episode. Uh, including the uh, really weird flip of, of perspective on the Aaron Donald helmet swing as opposed to Miles Garrett and many other topics, J.C. Treader and stuff like that. We go around the league. That's what's fun here. Not just Brown stuff and looking forward to the next opponent and preseason game, but just looking around the NFL, which I think is sometimes fun to do because our scope kind of gets narrow and simply focused on the team that we care about. So uh, that's what this is going to be pretty continuously. I will replay these usually on Saturdays, but because this is an accelerated week, I bumped it up a day. So like I said, keep an eye out for a Saturday podcast that will uh, include a Bears, a quick Bears preview and a look at the game and some of the stuff around it. So uh, yeah, check that out when that comes out Saturday. Appreciate you being here for this show, taking the time and enjoying it. Uh, continuing to come to this podcast as you guys do some fun things coming soon for this pod Uh, i I will get that information out to you soon but thanks for checking in today let's get over to this episode Uh, it's been called the obr thursday show which is now the obr weekend kickoff let's get there right now we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Thursday night's weekend kickoff. My name is Andrew Spade. Joining me shortly will be Jake Burns. And uh, tonight we're going to run through the uh, few topics related to the uh, Browns-Bears preseason game on Saturday, uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock. And then uh, we'll also talk about a few pieces of NFL news and a few things we're looking forward to this weekend. And uh, we've got a few things uh, in college football to look forward to this weekend as well. There's uh, college football games that count this weekend. And then, of course, we've got the uh, a few few topics uh, about the season in general. So we'll explore all of those tonight. Uh, Jake is, I understand, running a little bit late. So I'll go ahead and start uh, with a little bit of news uh, related to uh, the game on Saturday. Uh, Kevin Stefanski today in his press availability said that Jacoby Brissett will start and uh, did not put a number on the number of snaps that he will play. Uh, so they were going to kind of take it by take it by feel kind of take it as it goes, uh, basically saying that they're going to evaluate the drives and the work that he gets in those and, and see how long he needs to be out there. Uh, meanwhile, the Bears uh, coaches uh, announced that they're going to be playing uh, 25 to 30 uh, snaps for their most of their starters will be playing 25 to 30 snaps, which 
you know, uh, depending on the pace of the game is a little over a quarter to a half. Uh, you know, I would guess both teams will be running the ball a fair amount. So maybe maybe some of those Browns uh, bear starters will be in there for, for most of the first half. Uh, so I would expect that the uh, the Browns will be in the same neighborhood. You know, uh, Jacoby Brissett has, of course, not seen any uh, action in the preseason up to this point. He hasn't played at all. And so, um, it, you know, he needs the work, certainly. And uh, it seems like if the if the first team O-line is able to play for the most part, other than Jack Conklin, it would be a good opportunity for him to get, uh, you know, uh, 25 to 30 reps and throw the ball a few times, develop a little bit of chemistry and rhythm with his uh, receivers uh, on the field. So that's what we're looking forward to in Cleveland. Of course, uh, there's Jake. Hi, Jake. How are you? What's up, Andrew? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, I understand it's a. It's always a hectic time trying to get kids to go to bed and everything else, right? Yeah, just one that is going through its stomach pain stuff. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, what's going on? Well, just talk talking through the plans for uh, for uh, uh, Saturday night as we know them. The that Jacoby Brissett will be starting and playing. You know, I was I was speculating probably something close to what the Bears starters we know will be playing twenty five to thirty snaps, probably somewhere in there. Um, you know, a quarter, a little bit more, something like that. Feel does that feel right to you? Yeah, they they should. Uh, I would. I don't know, this is just me, but at this point, yeah. I would I would be looking at playing these guys a full half to get ready mm-hmm. as much as you can. You know, I know you don't want to give a ton of stuff away and all of that. Those elements certainly don't miss me, but, but I would get them a lot of reps in this game because you haven't been able to do so yet, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it would be interesting to see certainly if Amari Cooper plays because that chemistry between Brissett and Cooper is going to be so fundamental to how the passing offense functions through the first 11 games. So it would be interesting to see if he's out there and how they look, you know, it would be uh, our first look at both players in a Browns uniform, which is, you know, pretty, pretty uh, significant uh, moment. So, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking mostly about the, the Browns and Bears here to start. Um, you know, the other thing that, of course, uh, thinking about this game, uh, I'm reminded of, of uh, the week three game last year when Justin Fields was sacked, I believe it was eight times by the, the Browns uh, defense and uh, looked at times like he wanted to be literally anywhere else in the world than behind uh, center uh, for the Bears. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he comes out with a, a sort of preemptive, uh, you know, maybe he, he might just kneel a few times uh, just to kind of get that, you know, uh, avoid the, I mean, of course, probably, I guess it's fair to assume that Miles Garrett's not going to play and, and Clowney probably won't play either. So it, it probably won't be nearly the amount of pressure that he faced week three, but uh, he's got to be feeling a little bit of the after effects of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine so, man. It's, it's uh it was a pretty traumatic i think that's when everybody who was really i mean most people were pretty out on the bears coaching staff at that point but that to me felt like the moment in which everyone was kind of like okay we're 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 done with 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 this group so uh yeah i mean fields probably wants to leave cleveland with a little better feeling than they did just last mm-hmm. year for sure yeah and and on that note i from everything i've seen in in preseason it sounds like the bears offensive line is is still a, a, a troubled unit. So it'll be interesting to see, even if, as I said, Miles Garrett doesn't play, Jadavian Clowney doesn't play. It'll be interesting to see how some of those other players uh, on the defensive line. I mean, it's so much has been made of Jordan Elliott and his transformation physically and, and, and even mentally becoming more dedicated this off season. It'll be interesting to see if some of those players that, uh, you know, we have some doubts about can, can kind of show out on uh, Saturday night and maybe make a play or two. Yeah. It's going to be your last impression situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, especially with the end of the wide receiver room, like you said. I mean, there's there's certainly Miller Forrestal and is is really trying to lock in his role if he can make the roster. If the Browns don't make any other moves, right to mm-hmm. uh, to to push the envelope there. Um, the defensive line certainly, you, you know, you're paying attention to that. Do any of those guys make any sort of last push? And then the fringe linebacker groups, Dakota Allen, right? He's mm-hmm. fighting for a job and. Uh, Jordan Kunizic or uh, is also fine. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting little parts here. Can DeAnthony Bell make another uh, impression? Right. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're paying the closest attention to is these fringe guys because we're you know we're not going to learn we learn a ton. Uh, yeah. We can we can get some little pieces out of this, but we're not going to learn a ton from the game. Right. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I think that 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 this one for sure is paying attention to the bottom feeding guys, uh, the end of the roster types, but also to our earlier point, just seeing sort of what the product looks like that we're going to see to start the year, because 
that's something I don't think many people have accepted that there's going to be a lot of changes, new faces, uh, on, and some in, in, important roles here, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and to, to your point about the bottom of the roster, uh, Eco OBR in, in the chat had a great question. Uh, how many roster additions would you expect to see next week after the final cuts? I think they could. I think they can make two. I think they'll make one along the defensive line, and I think they'll make one at tight end. That's just mm-hmm. my guess. Um, yeah, I think one D line and one tight end is my is my best guess guess about where that's going for sure. Mm-hmm. That that's just a guess though. I don't think any O line. They could. I guess they could do wide receiver too. Uh, I, sh- I should I should add wide receiver. Kind of my mind's all over the place. Wide receiver <laughs> does make a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's about but- again opportunity, right? So. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's a little, uh, a little bit of part of it, but, but those three seem to make the most sense to me. Defensive tackle, um, potentially adding one you like a lot there and, and, um, and then you kind of go to the offensive side and look at maybe a third tight end or, or maybe not, maybe they like Miller Forstall or whatever. And then uh, a wide receiver seems Mm -hmm. to be the most likely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think two to three, not certainly not like it used to be where they would bring in five or six or sometimes seven or eight uh, new names after the cuts and the bottom, you know, uh, the bottom quarter of the roster was churned, you know, in, in, in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, talking about the, the, the game, the other, the other uh, position group looking at the bears roster is that their secondary just is, is, you know, there's nobody in the back there. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious also just to see how the Browns wide receivers look against uh you know, a, a pretty lousy secondary. It, it should be interesting to see if some of these guys can finally have kind of a, a little bit of a breakout. We haven't, we've kind of been waiting for that. We saw a little bit of that from Dalen Baldwin and then he's now down with a concussion. So keep, I mean, we keep talking about the wide receivers every week, but it would be interesting to see if one of them could, like you said, make a, make a firm last impression that maybe gets them onto the team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the Bears are particularly not – they're not very good at skill positions, wide receiver, uh, running back, and then their their DBs are a, a problem mm-hmm. too. So there should be plenty of opportunity to have some breakouts in this game, some solid performances. I mean, th- th- there's no reason why the Browns shouldn't win this one, even with the second team guys getting you know a significant amount of time in this one. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, can 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 – David Bell, second game. Can you can can we see a little more from him? Can Anthony Schwartz put another one together? Um, those are the the ones that stand out most to me, right? But yeah. um, you know, there's just just can can Chase Winovich put something decent together, right? The Bears present they're not very good. The Bears are going to mm-hmm. be bottom dwelling team this year. They'd be stun me if they got to seven wins. But yeah. uh, yeah, I, I I'm certainly fascinated uh, by by at least in my opinion, fascinated by if the Browns can have some show out performances that give the team a bit of a question mark, right. About whether to keep them Mm -hmm. or not. Yes. Yeah. You just want, you want them to put a little bit of that seed of a doubt in their minds, uh, you know, or, or, or erase all the doubt maybe uh, with somebody like Anthony Schwartz, for example, if he could, I I don't think he's going to, you know, be on the bubble, but if he could have a a really strong performance, it would certainly put that talk to rest uh, in my mind. So, um, you know, it's, as you said before, it's not, it's one preseason game. It's not going to make or break the season, but it would be nice to see some sort of positive takeaways from some of the players, uh, near the, the bottom part of the roster. Um, the other, the other, uh, topic, uh, so we, you know, Kevin Stefanski said today, Jacoby Brissett will play, uh, for the first part, and then he'll be relieved by Josh Dobbs, who has been impressive so far in his two games. Uh, and then, and then Josh Rosen will also get some snaps to finish out the game. Uh, and, and Josh was, you know, I thought he was okay against Jacksonville, uh, but he was really bad against, uh, against the Eagles. And, um, it, you know, it, it felt like you didn't see a lot of progress. It, if anything, you saw a regression from week one of the preseason to week two. And so I, I you know, that combined with, there was a, a really kind of on the cryptic side tweet from Josina Anderson, uh, saying to keep an eye on Josh Rosen in Cleveland, which, you know, people didn't know what to make of it. Does it mean that he's being cut? Does that mean that he's being traded? Does that mean that he's going to make the roster? It was very hard to parse. And so I just thought it would be worth talking about a little bit, your impressions of Josh in the first two games and if there's anything he could do on, on Saturday night that would kind of change those impressions. No, he's not very good, man. <laughs> he just like his mechanics are sort of wonky, his timing of delivery and how he gets the football from the load up to the finish. Like I don't, think he's ever put that together with the pacing that he needs to at the NFL level like I just don't 
And like his ball placement's really bad. Even in the Jacksonville game, a couple completions where he's moving on the run and the ball placement's really poor behind or low. And it just, everything with him looks, it just looks difficult. And to me, you know, I just don't see a guy that is going to really make it. Like, I just don't, I just don't, I don't even see how he becomes a backup with any consistency. I don't know how he is off the field uh, sort of personally with some of those things, but I, I don't, I, I just, again, me personally, I, I don't really see it with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't really know what Justina meant by that. So, yeah. um, you, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that that it's it's a wrap. Like, his NFL mm-hmm. career is a wrap. I, don't, I just don't see a, a player that can do that stuff anymore. At least, at least, you know, he's not – he could get a practice squad job, I guess. But mm-hmm. there's some really ugly efforts in there, like really mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that, uh, you know, kind of reading people's reaction locally to Josina putting that tweet out, uh, you know, so, somebody made a, a good point that, uh, you know, maybe from the national perspective, uh, him coming into this situation with Jacoby Brissett, who has underwhelmed for the most part uh, in his career, and Josh Dobbs, who has very little uh, track record, certainly much less than Josh Rosen, you know, uh, from a national perspective, somebody with the pedigree of Josh Rosen, a, a top 10 overall pick, who has you know bounced around but has gotten a lot of playing time uh, would almost seem to be a shoe in for the backup job and and would potentially compete to to see some time uh, with Brissett and so I think it, maybe it's just as simple as a as a disconnect between sort of national expectations and and the reality on the ground in Cleveland which is that he's always felt uh, you know our impression at the OBR you know in our Slack and informal conversations has been that he was sort of the camp arm you know the 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 third guy that that or fourth guy that came in to kind of do mop-up duty it just happens that he has you know a, f- a first round pedigree yeah i <laughs> i don't really he, he was never very good i mean mm-hmm. I, I mean i think that there were some people that bought into some of the stuff that he was able to do at ucla and some of the pedigree and things like that but there's a reason he went 10th in that class i mean yeah you know, people are always hunting quarterbacks i it's just never been good enough he's never mm-hmm. been a good enough processor the football delivery timing is has never been where it needs to be. The arm strength isn't good enough. So um, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised we're here, put it, mm-hmm. put it that way. Yep. You know, I'm just not surprised that we are where we are. Yeah. And so we will have more coverage uh, of the Browns and bears this uh, Saturday. Uh, I, I, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Is it a seven o'clock kickoff or a six o'clock kickoff, Jake? I think I believe it to be seven o'clock. Okay. So it's, the, the, the reason kickoff. I think it's six is because it's six central time, which is what matters mm-hmm. to me. Uh, so it'll be a seven o'clock kick, which means our pregame show will be at six, five o'clock for me. And uh, are, are you are you joining us for that on, on Saturday, Jake? I'll be there for pregame. Yep. Pregame okay. and then the playback during the game for sure. Yeah, there you go. So we'll have we'll have coverage for you uh, on on Saturday where we'll dive into a lot of the same things that we kind of talked about probably before the Eagles game. But we'll try and spice it up a little bit and come up with a few interesting questions uh, to uh, preview the uh, the Bears and Browns game more fully. So that's a. That's a look ahead to that game, but you know I'm I'm seeing chat here is everybody's talking about one thing and one thing only, and that is Aaron Donald attacking uh, unknown Bengals players with multiple helmets during practice today. That video hit the internet uh, a few hours ago and and went quite viral. And uh, of course, in Cleveland, we have a special relationship with uh, people using helmets as weapons, and uh, the the of course the immediate uh, hypocrisy of a lot of people who are laughing this off as uh, you know, football players being football players when Miles Garrett was condemned and pilloried for multiple weeks in response to what he did to Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, that, that disparity has kind of set the Cleveland media world on fire. And, and we're seeing it here in chat as well, that people are, you know, sort of outraged at that double standard. I just wanted to get your thoughts off the top on that, Jake. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know the optics of it, man, I don't really know anymore. I, I guess you, you get, do people get like desensitized to it? Do, I'm not, I'm not totally sure how, how it all, how it all goes. But if you put two people or a, a, listen, you put a group of people in front of uh, two videos today who had no, had no part of any of it, right? Like just mm-hmm. not even biased football fans in any way. They're just people. Yes. And you said, look at these two videos. Which one would you say has the most, what, what, you know, which one is yeah. the most heinous? Right. I don't know how you could watch the one today and not feel like it was, it was really ugly. So mm-hmm. I just, I guess I don't really know where all of this is going in terms mm-hmm. of 
Um, I mean, like we saw something today where it said that the NFL is, is in charge of on field and I guess off field. <laughs> and I thought you made a nice point in our, our Slack, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, so one's on field, one's off field. And then one is like, you, you know, it's the, it's the purge during practice, <laughs> right? Like yes, exactly. that's just like the, the gray area that I guess mm-hmm. nobody can mess with anybody. So, right. I mean, I thought the reaction to Miles Garrett stuff was pretty hilarious at the time. I just yes. thought people were overreacting about as mm-hmm. as bad as you can overreact. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there was some some hilarious retrospect look back at the tweets today. But like, yep. you know, I, I, I don't know, man. People are going to react how they want. But it just seems kind of funny to me that everyone's kind of mm-hmm. watching today and Adam Schefter can make a joke about it and be like, you know, yep. uh, so it's like, OK, you guys yep. were really trying to end Miles Garrett's career at, yes. at, back when this was yeah. back when this stuff was happening. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I, somebody said in chat they weren't just mad about it. They wanted him to be criminally charged. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious to look mm-hmm. back on it. Um, but again, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's like there's a desensitization to some of these things, which is funny to me yeah. that. That, that it happens like, ah, it's just like my, I'm, it's, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like it, we've seen, if it's the first time you've seen something or whatever, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me. It doesn't feel like there's going to be maybe a fine, like they're going to find a way to find the guy. But, but I, mm-hmm. but again, that's just sort of a, that's sort of a guess. I, I'm yeah. not entirely sure um, yep. what, what they're going to do here because they should do something. I don't think it's something we should all just ignore. I think to right. me, that's, that's crazy to think that you should just ignore that. So um, again, just, just my opinion a little bit on that, but it doesn't feel like the NFL is going to take it serious. What's your hunch? It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I agree with that. I think they've got a loophole here where it's, you know, on the practice field, even though it's between two teams, which mm-hmm. makes it in 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 in, ter- it, in in terms of what happened, you know, strictly definitionally, it's the same thing as what happened with Miles Garrett. But because they've got this loophole where it was a practice instead of a game, and I think most importantly because it wasn't televised, uh, you know, they've got a loophole here where they can get away with the. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they asked the club to fine him or something like that. Or, you mm-hmm. know, somebody I saw somebody say on Twitter he's going to be suspended for the third preseason game, which, you know, would would <laughs> would probably be about the right kind of farce, you know. Um, but I, I what I think is most interesting about this and, and, and you know, I'd, we certainly don't want to go back into the Sean Watson land at all. But I do think that it's worth thinking about the way in which NFL media seems to function on a sort of consensus. There's a, there's a hive mind. And once that consensus is formed, it it's very powerful and, and, and hard to disrupt. And so the consensus that formed in the immediate aftermath of what happened with Miles Garrett was that he was a criminal. Uh, you know, people mm-hmm. had, it wasn't just one person. A lot of people were throwing around those sorts of accusations and that consensus forming so quickly and so strongly, you know, that ends up in him getting, he missed six games, which is, you know, I mean, we, we know from talking suspensions all, all season, all off season, I should say, that that's a long period of time for a player to, to, to miss uh, playing. And so, you know, and, and the consensus today is this is just, you know, uh, football players getting mad at each other. And this is what happens in joint practices. And, you know, it's it's just the same old, same old. I mean, I and and that gap logic is, is logically inconsistent. But if you think about it in terms of there being sort of one entity known as the NFL media and the way that they react to these things seems to happen almost spontaneously. And once that's uh, solidified, it doesn't change that much. So it feels to me like 
there's not enough outrage here to justify the NFL taking, or I, I shouldn't say to justify, to spur the NFL into taking any action. Because as we know, the NFL is only ever responding. They're not going to proactively go out and suspend anybody. Yeah, there won't be. Too many, like you said, too many people are just being cavalier about it to mm-hmm. actually see some sort of impactful thing done. So I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, the maximum I can see happening here is a fine. Like yep. that's kind of all I can see happening here. And it's, to me, it's just, it's just hilarious. It's just really funny, but yeah. um, that's the NFL world, man. Like yep. you gotta be right time, right place with some of this stuff. And uh, Aaron Donald was on a practice field and it's a practice field video, right? It's mm-hmm. not, it's not on TV and it's like, well, should it matter if it was on right. primetime TV or not? Like right. it shouldn't, but again, to right. your point, it's, it's an optics thing. So yeah, I, I don't see anything happening, but it's, he's got two helmets. He's swinging them and consistently yeah. making contact multiple times, like mm-hmm. multiple times. So it's a, it's a gruesome video. It's, yes. it's bad to me, but again, the NFL, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, yeah. you don't, you don't want to play the only, only the Browns card, but right. you know, maybe don't put yourself in that situation, but it just does seem like a lot of these, Oh, of course things happen when it's, similar situations to whatever happened to Cleveland, you know? Yeah. And that's the, you know, looking at chat, that's the, that's the sentiment, uh, you know, uh, KB two, one, six, five, one, three said a big market team that just won the Super Bowl can do no wrong. And I think that's, you know, to, to a certain extent that is part of it. I mean, uh, who the team is and who the player is, uh, matters, I think. And, and, and despite this, Aaron Donald will, I'm sure continue to be, you know, a spokesperson and somebody who's out in front for the league and, and Miles Garrett is still paying a price for 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 his actions, and I, I think you know you said it, Jake, and 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 we've I've seen it in chat a few times. The last thing that we should ever expect from the NFL is consistency, and it's frustrating because uh, you know you want to think that in a in a sport that's about competition, there should be a baseline of fairness. But it's also a good reminder the season's almost here, and then we get to talk about in, inconsistency in officiating, and uh, another way in which the NFL uh, fails to implement. Uh, its rules consistently. So uh, there's there's off the field stuff or on the practice field stuff, as as the case may be, and then there's uh you know not calling pass interference week to week. So uh, <laughs> or roughing the pass or the exactly. taunting penalty exactly. issues, like right. it, it yes. goes on and on. Yes. So so it's 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 a hallmark, and it and it I think is a testament to the quality of the product that the NFL has put together generally that they can get away with these largely arbitrary decisions, both with officiating or off the field stuff. And it doesn't seem to impact the bottom line somehow, which is, it, it, it's a marvel. It just keeps ticking. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that there's much more to say about it. I, I, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to watch over the next few days. But as you said, and I think as, as Chad has said, uh, let's not hold our breath for any sort of punishment for Aaron Donald. Uh, let's, let's move on and talk about, uh, I think, somebody that everybody agrees is, is one of the good guys. And, you know, actually, this is another story that touches on the potential unfairness of the NFL. Uh, J.C. Treader this morning announced his retirement from the NFL after nine seasons. He was with the Packers for four seasons, drafted out of Cornell, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he and then he signed a big free agent contract with the Browns in 2017, I think is right, and played five seasons with the Browns before being released this offseason and then decided it was time to hang it up. He is still the NFLPA president. And the way that that works is once you're elected, you serve your full term, even if you have left the league in the meantime. Uh, the previous president that Treader replaced was Eric Winston, who had done the exact same thing, retired near the beginning of his term and then ser- served the full two-year term. And I think uh, you know, some of that is maybe there's an advantage of he can be a full-time NFLPA president now and he's not distracted by you know, having to prepare for and play in games. But it, it is an interesting question. Uh, he, he, as part of his uh, retirement announcement, said that he wanted to play this season and reached out to a few teams including the Vikings, who he grew up a fan of, but did not hear back from them, which, of course, raises the specter that he was uh, put in the Colin Kaepernick pile of uh, don't play in the league anymore. Yeah, I, I think what's kind of interesting to me is, like, <laughs> I, there was a thing that in that release statement where they said they reached out to the Vikings and didn't hear back, and it was it's kind of weird because I feel like Kwesi would give him time. I mean, that doesn't seem like that's something that he would ignore. And then it's like Kevin O'Connell, their coach got up today and said, uh, we don't, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't hear from him. We didn't hear anything. So I, I I don't know who's telling the truth there and who's not, or maybe somebody didn't relay a message. I, Mm -hmm. I, I I have no idea, but, 
yeah. Uh, again, to me, that that whole thing there is is a little bit is a little bit strange. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, JC's good enough to be playing. Could could there be something here? Right? Could there could there be something yeah. uh, beyond just JC's a good player and he's not in it? But but it feels like there's something with his time as the NFLPA president and some of the things that that happened there. So I'm not totally blown away that this has happened, but. I thought eventually teams would be like, well, we need a decent center here. We need a decent player, and who's a decent player that's that's uh, that's that's out there? And he's he's one of them. So it's it's a it's a bit surprising. It's a bit surprising, but uh, especially considering like the the Tyron Smith issue that we just saw, maybe right. Dallas maneuvering their offensive line, right? Like I don't I don't totally know. Um, but 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 all I can say is I think he's good enough to play. It's just yeah. you have to look at the optics and for why mm-hmm. he's not playing right so yeah uh, i think I mean, it doesn't take much to to figure that math out right yes and so he you know he w- has been a thorn in the side of the nfl on a few things uh he was uh, very vocal about uh covid testing and uh you know covid safety measures including being very vocally critical of the nfl at, at several times uh in the past few seasons on that and uh, he's also been pretty open about his belief that veteran players don't really need the offseason program and so you know, his, his, his take has been, I think since he has been NFLPA president that you basically, you know, as a player, you should, you should, you know, from when your team ends the season to uh, training camp starting, basically you should, you should be off. And so, you know, that, that sort of approach uh, and, and, you know, it came up when uh, there was a, a, a boycott that he essentially organized of organized team activities last year that included the Browns and some other teams and, and saying that these aren't necessary because they had just played the 2020 season without any of that uh, and an abbreviated training camp. So uh, just to rehash exactly what it is that, that he did that maybe got under uh, some owner's skin or, uh, you know, team executive skin. But, uh, you know, again, when it, when it comes to, you know, issues of fairness, uh, Colin Kaepernick could absolutely still have played in the league when, when he stopped getting uh, tryouts and, and getting calls. And uh, I think the same thing is here true here for J.C. Treader because, yeah, he definitely has a knee issue, right? I think with both of his knees, he's got some, some health issues. But he played at, a, at a, a top 10, if not a top 5 level last year, even with those health issues. And, you know, top top 5, top 10 centers don't grow on trees. So uh, it's definitely something I think that's at least suspicious, if not uh, downright incriminating. I don't disagree. He should be playing in the league somewhere. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty strange that mm-hmm. he's not. And I guess maybe this NFLPA stuff got uh, he, the, the, he just rubbed it too many people the wrong way. I guess yeah. you know it's, that's, it's that's always interesting only, how it works. That they, they all they all agree on this without anybody talking about it. You know, just some sort of psychic communication in the ether that everybody agrees not to sign the guy. It's it's interesting how that works. Uh, you mentioned it a minute ago, uh, Tyron Smith. Uh, with a serious hamstring injury that's going to keep him out for most of the season. We, uh, we talked about this a little bit already this week uh, informally in our Slack, but it sounds like the plan as of now is for their first round pick Tyler Smith to slide out to left tackle. Uh, and, uh, and then they've got a, they've got a, a backup guard who started for them last year. Um, so that, you know, that would be the least amount of shuffling, but uh, boy, a rookie, rookie left tackle for a, a, a team that is supposed to be competing for a divisional title this year and a coach that uh, is really, you know, his seat is getting warmer even as we speak in Mike McCarthy. Uh, I, I'm curious, you, you know, you're a draft guy. You pay a lot of attention uh, in the in the months leading up to the draft. What were your thoughts on Tyler Smith, and what are your thoughts on Dallas's plan to put him out at left tackle? Well, the, I mean, I don't, I didn't really like him as a tackle prospect, me, me personally. But um, it seems that they think, I mean, their their options are so limited uh, that they can they can probably get away with it a little bit here. I mean, they have no other choice. It sucks because Tyron's just a fantastic, he's just a fantastic yes. tackle and he's been one of the league's best for a long time. So it's a shame to, to see him, uh, you know, be unfortunately be, be unable to, to join um, the season for Dallas. I, I, I don't think Dallas is equipped for this. I think that they should be poking around the league for, mm-hmm. for potentially better options. And I, I hope they do. And Cleveland could have some, uh, yep. with with their situation but um we're just kind of have to see but i think i again me personally i i think that it's been so long since we've been in a position where we, we feel uh without injuries being a huge part of it that you're without a you know enough capable offensive lineman but w- looking at dallas people they are 
uh, they're panicking and they're really panicking. And, and it's like, you know, I, t- I totally understand that, that where they're coming from with this, because it's, it's like the Browns losing, you know, Betonio, right. It's something of that nature. So mm-hmm. um, tough scene, really. Sorry about that. My headset just died. That hasn't happened to me yet since I've been doing this. That was, I'm sure you made a lot of good points while I was gone, Jake. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah. Great uh, one. Great yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, it's interesting. I, I, you may have touched on this cause I, I, like I said, I was not able to hear most of that, but uh, who, if, if the, if Dallas called the Browns, who would be, they be calling about? Would it be Hudson? It'd be Hubbard. I would Hubbard. guess for a okay. year stop gap or something like that. That's, that's kind of my, my best guess on that one. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I would say Hubbard and then Hudson They're they're in with him for the long run. You could go after like a, a guy who's done it, maybe like Hans, right? You could mm-hmm. you could go after someone who's been out there a little bit, but yeah, I, I think Hubbard's the only one that makes sense. If they wanted somebody developmentally, like Alex Taylor could be mm-hmm. a guy they'd call about, but yeah, that, yeah, that's about it. But I do think Hubbard would be an interesting target if they could get something back for him. That's true. I, I think, you know, given that it seems like James Hudson has taken steps uh, and has looked decent this preseason, and it seems like Alex Taylor is somebody they like, it would be interesting if they could, you know, because I think Hubbard is guaranteed a fair amount of money, so they probably can't cut him. But uh, if if somebody wanted to trade for him, they they could entertain that. So something to watch. Uh, on the trade front, uh, another player that has come up uh, this week is Mike Gesicki in uh, Miami. Now he was franchise tagged this year as a tight end, so he's on the books for a a, a single season for eleven million dollars, something like that. Uh, obviously, fully guaranteed as is the franchise tag, and. Uh, sounds like Miami is not fully sold on him and would listen to trade offers. I'm imagining that they probably want a fair amount, uh, you know, for, for him, but, uh, I, I, you know, that, that name coming up and the Browns being in the position that they are at wide receiver and tight end. And of course, Mike Kosicki is sort of a, you know, a tight end nominally, but really plays more wide receiver plays a lot in the slot. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on if he would make sense for the Browns as a player. And then we can kind of talk about the financials. You know, I don't totally think he makes sense for Cleveland. I feel like what he does is kind of repetitive. I feel like some guys on the roster already do some similar things to him. Like, I mean, if you look at what he does from an alignment and usage standpoint, a route tree standpoint, like he's he's Donovan Peoples Jones in a sense. Mm. Like, and I don't I don't think you need to go crazy with he doesn't he doesn't block all too often. He even himself admitted, like, I'm gonna play tight end this year for the first time, right? Like he hasn't been playing tight end. He's been a wide receiver. So it was like a big slot. And I feel like the Browns feel like that's not a player they really need. I I, I think there's some teams that could, but I don't think that's something they should be overextending for. So uh, especially given the limited resources that we know that they have. So, So I don't expect them to do it. If they did, and I'm completely wrong here. Yeah, he's a nice player. I just don't think he's gonna be like some 1200 yard Kelsey type player like i tight end type i just don't see that for him but but mm-hmm. again that's um it's it's like it's he's a good player i wouldn't be bothered if they got him i just don't mm-hmm. see that i just don't see that coming to fruition yeah so so and then if the fit is a little questionable then certainly when you factor in the economic piece of it which is that it would be 11 plus million dollars guaranteed this season uh which you know they're going to need that money rolling it forward for next year uh, on the salary cap uh, and the fact that they would probably have to give up a draft pick, and we know they're already quite light draft pick-wise after the Deshaun Watson trade, it makes even less sense. Um, it's it's a situation where, you know, for years we've we've been in the mode as as Browns fans of expecting that they'll be somewhat aggressive and they have assets to to trade, but it's it's an adjustment now to understand that they don't have a ton of excess salary cap space, even even if they do on the books right now because they're planning obviously on rolling all of that over every last cent. Uh, and, and, and they also don't have a, uh, you know, an excess of draft picks. So it puts them in a, in a situation where they have to look to improve around the margins really until next off season, because, uh, it seems unlikely that they would be willing to give up uh, a lot of either cap space or, or draft capital and certainly not both. Yeah. Just not a ton to give up there. Just not a ton yep. to give up. And if you're moving just, just sicky, like I, you're, you're not as demanding given his situation, but you're not handing that guy away. So, you know, I don't, I don't see that happening either. And I just don't think the Browns are going to be able to meet the threshold for what they're looking for. Uh, But again, you know, it's a good player. You don't mind adding him, but I'm not, I just, I just don't expect it. I don't expect it really. 
Yeah, well, and it's that situation where we do know, I mean, the one thing that we know, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa talked about it in his press conference, I think at the Combine, that he would get texts from Andrew Barry in the middle of the night about, you know, future seventh rounders and that sort of thing. So I, I do feel confident that he's, Andrew Barry is considering it. If, if there is a trade to be made for Mike Kosicki, if there's a some, some sort of bargain basement situation, uh, you know, Barry is aware of it. And so I think we've got you know, confidence in that part of it, at least, uh, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I would think so. They're, they're, they're going to explore. Mm-hmm. I still remain hopeful that they figure out a way to get another wide receiver, not mm-hmm. just waivers, but try to figure out one way. But, you know, there's always, there's, there have been a decent amount of these like last minute trades before the regular yep. season hits. Like I remember Clowney was one of those who got mm-hmm. traded right before the season. And then I think there have been some other recent examples too. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there have been some players that matter that have been moved right before mm-hmm. the season. So it's not impossible to see this happen. Who was somebody yep. else moved right before? Was it yeah. Ramsey? Did he move right before the season like that? I can't, I, think, I can't remember. I, I feel like that was in the first week or two of the season. Okay. Maybe it was, maybe it was before, before kickoff. That's not coming to me. I can't, uh, I can't. There's, there's just been over the last two years and maybe three now, there's mm-hmm. been some of those like in that bye week yep. period uh, where yep. they've, they've moved. Yeah, well, so, and it's it's worth saying there's a two week break. Um, you know, the, the the regular season kicks off two weeks from tonight uh, in Los Angeles with the Bills visiting the Rams, and so um, you know there's a two week break now uh, after the preseason games this weekend. There will be two weeks until the full NFL slate of games on the 11th of September. So there is enough time to you know conduct a, a little bit of business, not to that somebody would be ready to go onto the field in Carolina, but you know, there's enough time to, for a trade to be made because they've got the two weeks off. So um, looking at the schedule for this weekend, we've got the Packers and the chiefs playing as we speak, as well as the 49ers at the Texans. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. We've got, well, the, the Patriots are at, at Las Vegas. That's an interesting one because of the Josh McDaniels connection, obviously. Um, you know, we know about the bears game. Uh, you know, we know that the Rams are playing the Bengals at roughly the same time. That should be interesting for obvious reasons. And, I certainly wouldn't expect to see Aaron Donald on the field for that one. Uh, I, that looks like about it. Detroit and Pittsburgh to wrap it up uh, is a 3:30 game on CBS on Sunday afternoon, which uh, you know I've I've been uh, hate watching the Steelers a little bit this preseason. It sounds like Kenny Pickett has played himself into contention for the starting job, and so uh, you know you could imagine if he had a good showing against uh, Detroit on Sunday, maybe he starts Week One for the Steelers. Good, he could, man. It's it's. It seems like it's moving in that direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, re- it really does seem like it's moving in that direction a little bit. So uh, I will watch, like you said, I will be closely watching um, uh, that that development because mm-hmm. they're they're hyping him up over there a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know how preseason hype goes, Brandon Whedon. <laughs> we know. I just don't believe yeah. in Kenny Pickett until I see it in anything that matters. Mm-hmm. So, well, so, so if you're thinking about maximizing the Browns chances of victory, is it, would you rather see Pickett on the field in week three? Yeah, I, I would, okay. I, yeah. I would definitely, but I, I don't, I also um, don't think it matters all too much. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, none of them scare me, but, but I don't, I don't think Pickett's ready to, to be the guy. I just, just but they, they could think so. And yeah. um and and just say we want to we want to ride it out with them and figure it out here sooner than later and maybe they do that but I think I'd still be kind of surprised if they they did it that quickly given Mitch hasn't been terrible it seems like it's yeah. Pickett behind Mitch and Mason Rudolph's on the outside looking in mm-hmm. so that, that uh, does still make guess. the most sense it feels like the most uh, conservative decision which is in line with what Mike Tomlin has done but I do remember when when that season when Roethlisberger was hurt he, he played uh, quarterback roulette between Rudolph and Duck Hodges and other guys he, he had a quick trigger finger that year so it'll be interesting to watch that for sure and um I, you know i think strategically uh getting a rookie quarterback on a short week uh for the browns would be it seems like a win for the you know in in terms of advantage browns putting in some exotic looks for him although that's not really joe wood's uh normal mo uh all right let's let's pivot and talk uh college football for a second because unlike the nfl there are games in college that matter this Saturday, the uh, headliner is Nebraska and Northwestern playing in Dublin, Ireland. One of our co-workers at the OBR, Jack Duffin, will apparently be at this game and uh, is is planning on uh, enjoying himself. So he won't be joining us pregame because he will be, he said, in a pub in Dublin. Uh, so 
but post gaming, I guess at that point. Um, and so I, I, I no, I mean, I look, I think we all wish we could take the OBR on the road this weekend to Dublin and uh, watch a little big 10 football. What are your thoughts though, generally on, on a big 10 conference game happening all the way over there in Ireland? They seem to be pushing the limits. I feel like they've gone overseas. The conference has a few times now and, um, I'm I'm not surprised by it. it's cool. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't have an issue personally with it. I think it's mm-hmm. fine to try to expand the game, and I'm sure they'll draw a max max maxed out crowd over there and yep. all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, indifferent. I'm just happy football's here, even you know the college level too, especially, mm-hmm. right? Yes, absolutely. And I will say, I so I I lived in the UK for a little bit and became a rugby fan while I was over there and. They, they're playing in the rugby stadium uh, in Ireland, in Dublin. It's called the Aviva Stadium. And it is one of my favorite stadiums in the world because it's it's got sort of, it's got that glass wall thing. It had the glass wall thing before that became the main thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, sort of in a neighborhood in, in Dublin. And the, the views from the stadium, because there's the, the, the seating in the, in the uh, end zone areas is very low. So you can see out, even when you're watching on TV, you can see sort of the neighborhood. Uh, I, I just, I really like that stadium. And so that, that'll be, Visually, it'll be very pleasing, and uh, I'll, I'll certainly tune in for at least some of that. I don't know. It, it seems like I think uh, I think I saw that Nebraska's a pretty heavy favorite, which uh, dampens my enthusiasm a little bit. But typically, those sorts of Big Ten matchups, I don't care that much about. I'll just root for the upset. So if Northwestern can keep it tight, maybe I'll watch the fourth quarter. Uh, Scott Frost, man, a lot of expectations for that guy. Mm-hmm. He's got to figure mm-hmm. it out. They have not figured it out yet, and they yep. um, they really need to do it soon. Put it yeah. that way. So yeah. Nebraska for the future of where that program's going, which has already been on um, mm-hmm. uneasy ground as it is, is not uh, is not uh, it's not in great shape. So we'll yep. see. We'll see what they're able to do this year. Yep. So so it's it, you just have to put yourself for a second in the shoes of a Nebraska fan that has bought plane tickets to fly whatever it is, 4000 miles over to Dublin, uh, however much on tickets, hotel rooms, all of that. And then you go to the game that you're two, two touchdown favorites in, and then you get upset by Northwestern. And now you've got a full day of travel just to get back to Lincoln, Nebraska, or, or those environs. It's a, it's a bet, you know, it's a big bet. I sometimes I'm, I'm awfully conservative going to Browns games. I don't want to go, you know, if they're going to play, you know, if they're going to play in uh, you know, somewhere far away and they might get, they might get crushed. I, I don't take that risk. So I can't imagine traveling to a different continent to watch my football team lose. Listen, I guess that's that has to be one of your like um, your bucket trips, no matter what. Because yeah, I'm not, right. I mean, I'm not participating in that type of game. That's just me personally. Mm-hmm. No, I agree uh, with that. And, yeah. Again, you can be an alumni, and I think yes. sort of feel that way. You know? yeah. So yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I would hope that people have plans for other things going over there. It is, right. it is cool, like to, for Jack to get to go to that game and yes. some other people like yeah. that. It's it's neat to yeah. see, but yes. Um, it's an interesting pairing to send over there to mm-hmm. those two teams. So yeah, you, neither of those teams have a ton of Irish connections in my mind, but I, I suppose there's I, yeah. It's anyway. Uh, I'm looking at the full schedule for Week Zero here. Um, none of the other games really jump out to me. Uh, Illinois plays. They've got Wyoming at home. Um, let's see here. North Carolina's playing. That's a fairly named program. And then Vanderbilt is at Hawaii to end the night. Uh, that's your 10:30 kick on a CBS sports network. So is there anything else, Jake, that has kind of caught your eye on the first uh, sort of week zero schedule? Um, you know, I would say, I, I would say no, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, yeah. Not, yeah. not really, yeah. not really. Yep. Uh, what, what's catching your eye? No, I mean, I, I, you know, to, to, to be honest, looking at that schedule, I'm thinking, let's save, let's save our bullets for when we need them, you know, later in the, later in the fall, you know, this, I, I might check that Nebraska Northwestern game out for a bit, but I think for the most part, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be find something else to do. You know, that, that's late of games. That's, that's go outside. That's uh, maybe make dinner plans, something like that. So it's, it's football. I'll probably have it on for a while, but, mm-hmm. but what, what is the other big one in there? You said, well, uh, I don't know that any of them really qualify as big Wyoming at Illinois. That's just, if you're that's interested in the big 10, you know, yeah, a big 10, well, it's I've, a big 10 network at four. So, yeah, I have a brother-in-law in Wyoming and I've been out to that stadium a few times. Mm-hmm. So a uh, little bit of interest there. Yeah. You, know, and then, you can't sleep on Wyoming or they'll beat you if you're Illinois. That's right. Yeah. And then I, the only SEC team playing is Vanderbilt who's out in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't One know. of the few rare 
uh, this has been a big topic of contention the past few days is how few um, uh, true away games that, mm-hmm. that are played by the SEC. So I exactly. didn't know like Nick yeah. Saban's only had three true away games in the last like 12 years or something <laughs> like that. That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. They're either yeah. conference games or they're like neutral site games. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's certainly a built-in advantage. So yeah, looking at that, I think the Nebraska Northwestern game is really the only one that jumps out, and then we'll get into the, you know, the 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 full slate the next weekend. But and I haven't really looked forward, but I I know that uh, it's it's Ohio State Notre Dame that first weekend, right? Yeah, right off the rip, man. That mm-hmm. that that is a huge game. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that that's that's the one to pay attention to for sure. So as I said, uh, we will be uh, back with you on Saturday at uh, what will be uh, six o'clock uh, for the pregame, and then seven o'clock kick. And uh, Jake will be doing a playback stream again for uh, you're going to go the full game, or maybe the first half this time. Or? Yeah, we'll probably just do the first half, and then maybe yeah. try to kick up some full games a little later in the year. I, mm-hmm. I just I just sort of noticed that the the full game was uh, yeah. I, I, maybe I could formulate a plan where. You know, we, we take some built-in breaks. So you're just watch. Ultimately, what you're doing is just you're just watching the game, right? right. You're just watching the game. So, you know, it's not a big deal all around uh, mm-hmm. to, to just hang out. If it's you can turn up the stream volume, so maybe we'll do a little bit of that. If some people are dependent on the stream to watch it, but right. I'm th- I'm banking on doing something uh, probably okay. first half, and we'll feel it out around halftime. All right, so you've got that to look forward to, and uh, there will be a post game show. It might be a little bit brief. I'm not sure how we're how we're staffed for a Saturday night post game show uh, on uh, on the OBR. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we will update you accordingly as as that uh, as Saturday gets closer. Uh, and then obviously next week we've got a full slate of programming uh, starting Monday with the Rewind uh, show. And so I think that'll do it for us tonight, Jake. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you to all all of you out there for joining us. And uh, being so active in the comments, I had another great uh, night of chat and jokes in there. And so nice to see you all enjoying yourselves. Uh, and we will be back with you on Saturday for pregame for the Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.